You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being with us today. We are so excited for this special Ask Us Anything podcast episode. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer. I'm a producer. I'm 23 years on the job here at Satellite Sisters. How about you, Les? (laughs) Only 23 years? It seems like so much longer. We have lived a lot of years on Satellite Sisters. (laughs) How about you, Julie? At uh, 23 years, I can't remember anything I've said from any year. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. But so happy to be here. This impre- I'm very present today. So no matter, even if I can't remember what I said yesterday, today, in this moment, I'm with you sisters. Okay. Okay. That's funny, Julie. Um, yeah, we are the Satellite Sisters, Liz, Lynn, and Julie here. I, we're assuming this isn't your first Satellite Sisters episode that you've ever listened to. You might want to start on, I don't know, any of the other 800. But um, if it is, just a brief history of Satellite Sisters. We started as a radio show on public radio in 2000. We then moved to a daily talk show on ABC Radio for six years. And then in 2009, we became a podcast. Over the years, we've written books together. We've had magazine columns together. We went on tour with Oprah together. We also just enjoy spending a lot of time in our closet. You know, that is the life of a podcaster. We are real sisters. Uh, Our sisters, Monica and Sheila, also used to do the show with us. And now they have lives as nurses and teachers. We have three brothers. We grew up in Connecticut. And all of this background is just going to help you make some of these questions, make sense of some of the questions later on in this episode. But this episode is all filled with your questions. We're going to start with the lightning round. We have questions about production. We have questions about family. And then we just have some random questions that you sent in that we enjoyed that we'll answer. So sisters, are you ready? Ready. I'm all ready. Yes. Born ready. Okay, so we're going to start with a lightning round. And again, there's no actual timer, but, um, you know, these are just short short answers that people sent in. Uh, you can give short answers to the questions that people sent in. All right, this one came from Lynn. She said, Julie mentioned that pink is not her color. For each sister, what are your favorite colors? Julie, we'll start with you. Okay, it used to be blue, but now I'm moving into green, so I'm going to say teal. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I know. So, I know. I know that was a complicated answer, but I, I'm going with that. Okay, Liz, how about you? I have no idea what your favorite color is, Liz. Okay, I would say my favorite color to wear is royal blue, but how can I not mention the color of my lipstick, Cassis? Because we get so many messages, questions when we do videos together or the Instagram together asking what my lipstick color is. So once again, I'm just going to say Bobby Brown, art stick. Cassis is my favorite color. Okay. Just a reminder, this is the lightning round. But sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was even longer than my answer was. <laughs> We're not doing too well, Leanne, are we? Uh, I am going to say all blues. All blues, any blues, all blues go together. That's it. To wear, to live in, to watch. I love blue. All right. Stephanie wanted to know. She had a bunch of questions, so I'm going to dole these out. All right, Liz, this one you can take. Did your niece win the position for which she was running? Yes, she did. She is a Northport Village trustee in Northport, New York. Her name is Megan Dolan Saparita, and she is a local politician engaged in lots of things in her local community. All right. This one I'm going to take. Did anyone ever investigate further into Sheila's living situation? It sounded like she moved into a retirement community without realizing it. Okay. Stephanie, I did actually go to Sheila's um, Sheila's apartment in New York last October. It's sort of an unusual um, situation, situation in New York City because it's like a housing development that was developed in the 20s or 30s. It's a lot of high-rise buildings, but it's set in a park-like setting. It is sort of like a retirement community without realizing it. I think she wishes that um, there was more step-down care that she could take uh, take advantage of because she so enjoys medical care. Uh, but 
It's a very, very nice place to live. It's very relaxing when you get there for New York City. It's right there on the sort of the edge of Manhattan. It's fantastic. All right, Stephanie also wanted to know, how is Ruthie's new baby doing? Julie, you have the... I'll, I'll handle this. We got the full report at the family reunion. Bright-eyed Evelyn is adorable. She is... She was Every picture of her, she is so awake and alert. I think she favors her father, Jeremy, but I can see some Dolan in her as well. I mean, she is a winner and Sheila is loving being a grandmother. Yes, that is true. That's true. Good question. Okay, this was a fun question for the uh, from the from Kimberly. She wanted to know she loved Bad Sisters on Apple TV. That was the Irish TV show about the murderous sisters that we recommended. Right. And she wanted to know which Bad Sister are you personality wise. Now I will just say this: I was assigned this question, and I was supposed to assign you know the sisters different roles. Okay, here's the deal. We're all Eva, okay? We're all versions of Sharon Oregon. <laughs> we are. So okay. describe Wylian. Yeah, she's she's sort of the oldest sister. She's the one that pulls it all together. She's the one that, like, orders people around. She's the one that, you know, she's sympathetic, but she gets things done. And, you know, people come to her and they trust her with information and they want to get advice with her. That is all of us in various portions of our lives. I, I wanted to be the one with the eye patch, BB, but I, I'm honestly, I'm just not that cutting edge. We're all Sharon Horgan is, is the answer to that question. Um, okay. Answer. Tracy wanted to know, do the sisters speak multiple languages? Liz, do you want to start? Well, um, there was a time where I would, would have said that I speak French because the town we lived in, they split the town in half and half the town got French and the other half the town got Spanish. It's Fairfield, Connecticut. And this is like in the fourth or fifth grade. So that was that was pretty great. So I've, I'd learned French all the way through high school, college. I spent my junior year in France. So I would say for like 10 years, I hung on to being able to really speak the language well. Now, not so much. But maybe I could bring it back. Maybe I should. I don't know. Julie? I was so long answer, Liz, but I'll take it. Um, I have, I as well, I have very rusty French. I've got some bad uh, Russian. I have, uh, I'm, I speak very poor Russian. Okay. I have that. I have very, very, very sketchy Thai, but a couple of, I've got some words that were because I, I lived in Thailand. And I'm happy to say I have a 137 day streak in Spanish on Duolingo. <laughs> yeah. So, that is so that's great. That's good. That is good. Yes. Yeah. Rio muy uh, bonito, <laughs> I think. Wow. Wow. And how about you, Leah? Um, uh, so I also took French uh, all the way through from kindergarten, actually, all the way through high school. And it, that kind of, it just sticks with you. So I wouldn't say I'm fluent in it, but when I, I needed it, it came back to me. When I was in Paris a couple of years ago, I took Italian in college. So I do some light Italian also, when I need to, um, of course, I study dead languages, Latin and Greek, not that great. Um, <laughs> but I would say, uh, so my Italian and French, they're not terrible, but I could use a refresher on both those languages. Hey, Liz, maybe before the Paris Olympics, we should refresh our French. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Goals 2024. Okay. All right. Cindy wanted to know, growing up, did you ever wish you were in another position in the family? Julie, we'll start with you because you were the oldest daughter. Right. I love my position. I would never give it up. I just want you to know that I was the tip of the spear for all the girl sisters that, you know, behind me because I had to battle our two older brothers. Okay. <laughs> I took that on my shoulders. I took, I did it for you sisters and you can never uh, repay me enough for that, uh, for that, role that I played in the family. <laughs> That's true. We can't. We can't repay we can. that. We no. Do you know what I mean? Sharon Horgan. There you go. That's the Sharon Horgan. <laughs> All right, Liz, how about you? Did you ever wish you were in another position in the family? Not really, but a little more. My position in the family, I'm so I'm child number four, uh, daughter number two, but I was in a pack. Me, Sheila, Monica, boom, boom, boom. Only one year apart. 
So did I ever wish that maybe there was a little more space between the three of us? Or basically I would share a room with Monica until that blew up. And then I would share a room with Sheila until that blew up. And then, you know, so that's all. But no, I'm very happy being where I was in the rundown. Now, Leon, you're the baby. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I'm the baby of the girls and the baby of all eight. So I'm eight of eight, you know, the the youngest in the family. Um, uh, first of all, as the youngest in the family, I didn't really know there was an option that I could be in another position. I was <laughs> I was r- rarely given any options. I just did what I was told. I wore all the clothes that my sisters had already wore. I never got my own ski equipment uh, or bikes or anything like or cars or anything like that. I was very happy being the baby in the family. But I will say this. I was a baby that was not babied. Yeah, I, I don't. I was, you know, I like no one ever dressed me up like a doll. No one did that. You know, no. <laughs> no. So uh, so so I like that. And I had I been tre- treated like a baby, I don't think I would have enjoyed that. But um, I was just given a lot of free reign and no one was paying attention. So it was excellent. I enjoyed benefiting from Julie's, you know, uh, leading position. Fighting the good fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our brothers were had, you know, some really rough years. And so almost nothing I could do looked bad to my parents. You know, other <laughs> sisters had issues. I just learned to keep my head down and get away with a lot of stuff. So uh, that's what I would say. Would not give up being the baby in the family, but would not have liked it if I was babied. Okay. All right. Stay with us. We have production questions and questions about our mom and dad coming up. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair is really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, Just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. 
Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. Your youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed, so it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win, win, win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with the code Sat Sisters at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. We're back. We're the Satellite Sisters. It's an Ask Us Anything special. Thank you so much for sending in all of your questions. You know, you can always stay connected with us. Hello at Satellite Sisters is our email address. We got some of these via email. Fancy. Um, All right. Susan wanted to know, over the years, this is a a production block, by the way. We got a lot of questions about how we do the show. uh, You know, how has it changed over the years? Where where are so-and-so and and -and so-and-so? So So we're going to answer some of these questions. All right. So Susan wanted to know, over the years, you've had many hosting formats, two, three, four, five sisters. Sometimes Leon was the lead. Other times Liz has been the lead. There's cities galore. Like, could you explain how those evolved and 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 what's happening there? Like, how did that happen? So, Liz, why don't you why don't you lead us off? Well, Susan, the first big difference was between doing the radio shows we did and doing the podcast. Because in our radio life, we had one like highly produced once a week show on public radio which was super complicated to do. That the Satellite was in our name because in those days, it took an actual satellite to like connect all the studios. Julie, you were living in Bangkok then, right? So you were in a radio studio in Thailand at midnight, correct? Correct. That's correct, Liz. Yes. Uh, so when we were doing uh, either pre-produced radio or live radio, it was super complicated. But what's good about the radio, live radio, is that people could kind of call into the show. We could get a little being live was was super fun. And I think we all enjoy, enjoyed that. And then going to the podcast, super flexible, super easy for us to do it uh, from wherever we were, we are. And most of all, no longer required satellite. So since the invention of many of the technology, you know, that everyone uses now, like Zoom, it allows us to do whatever we want from wherever we are, which makes it fun to do and easy to keep up with the number of shows that, that we want to do. You know, I would, I would add to this, Susan, that each show, that each format of the show really sort of kind of changed the nature of it. Our first show on public radio um, was, it was an hour long and it was very, uh, I, I think, cons- well, not constrained might not be the right word, but everything was, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to have things edited so we wouldn't be bumbling around like this answer is, Susan. It would be much, <laughs> it'd be much cleaner. Uh, but then when we moved to doing a live show six days a week, we really let loose. But first of all, because in terms of content, we we were doing a live show you know, three hours a day, uh, six days a week. So anything and everything we talked about. And uh, we have our beloved producer, uh, Joanna, who really just let us, you know, let us go and let us be ourselves. And by the time we got to the Friday show, which was hosted by Leanne with Sheila and Monica, who knows what was happening on that show, right? Yeah, I mean, it was unusual, actually. Initially at ABC Radio, they said, no, no, all five sisters have to be on every day. You can't change the hosts every day. And we were like, no, no, that's not going to work. It's too many sisters and we need one day off to go to the dentist. And um, so we had a different group of three sisters every show. And that really made it fun. So every And then all of us would be on the Saturday show. 
But so we had the varsity team, Julie, you know, this team right here was the varsity team, but the JV team was me, Monica, and Sheila. But every show was slightly different based on who was showing up for the day and the material you covered and the tone of the show. So it actually worked really well. And honestly, listeners did not mind at all. Wouldn't you say that, Joel? I would say yes. They they went with the flow. And we, when we got to podcasting, you know, what I would have to say to all of our listeners is thank you. Thank you for sticking with us. Because I think this was the era of technical difficulty. That's when we learned how to master, um, uh, master this new technology. And we just appreciate all of you sticking with us and trying new things and learning how to download shows, whatever it took, you did it. And so, um, so while there's some of the shows, when you listen back, are a tiny bit rough, um, we just appreciate that everyone stuck with us and is still listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every year we have a check-in meeting about, you know, where, where we are with Satellite Sisters and what are we doing going forward and who's in and who's not and how do we feel about um the podcast. And that's a very healthy thing. You know, it's it's, it's not an automatic. We want to make sure that we're doing the show, um, that we, we still enjoy it, that we enjoy these moments on the air. Uh, because 23 years is a long time. We've, we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered all the ground, some might say. Now we're just re-recovering the same ground. But um, so like we get asked a lot about Monica and Sheila, but at one of these check-in meetings, they were like, you know what? I, I think we're going to happily retire. So we don't talk a lot about them on the show because they made that choice. They are, Monica is a nurse. She's living in Portland. Things are well with her. Sheila's a teacher living in New York City. Things are great with her. But in terms of, you know, divulging a lot of stuff on Satellite Sisters, they made the choice to happily retire. But we're still here uh, muddling through every week, but because we're still enjoying it. And we're still sisters and we're still friends with them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Good point, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we answer this question all the time, but yes, of course, we still see them and talk to them and text them and everything. Yes. It's just that the commitment to do the show is real. And so uh, and to sort of be put yourself out there is real. So we just want to make sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Doing the show is a very demanding part time job. So if you also have another full time job, it's very hard to juggle. Mm hmm. All right. So uh, here's a question from Pam. Julie, she wants to know, how did you do the show from various countries? Oh, well, first of all, I always did it in the middle of the night. When we started and when I was in Bangkok, as Liz just mentioned, um, I would do the show from there. And I went to the Radio Free Asia studios uh, in the middle of the night. And uh, I was there talking to Liz and Leon and Monica and Sheila. And they were just it was an odd collection of people in that studio. There were bunk beds in there. There were a lot of guys and they were cooking meals. I learned later on that the Radio Free Asia, which was broadcasting uh, democratic uh, themed stories into um, Myanmar, um, or, you know, they were trying to sort of in, try to um, increase the opportunities for a democratic uh, country. Well, that didn't happen. Um, but these were, I think they were, you know, I later, somebody I knew told me that um, that Radio Free Asia operation was really, these were B- Burmese freedom fighters that were, were operating out of the radio station. So there were, they were there was me talking to satellite sisters about pets and pies and bras. And in the next room, there were some very serious democratic fighters uh, doing this. <laughs> Um, in Russia, same thing was in the middle of the night, but I did it from my apartment. I was hooked up by an ISDN line. Um, and also I imagined, um, there were quite a few other people listening to our conversations because of course, everything in my apartment was bugged. Um, but, uh, we had some good shows there, but it was always, uh, you know, I was usually about 12 hours, uh, time difference between that, uh, uh with my sister's. Yeah, that was a big commitment, Julie. Yeah. Big, yeah, there's a lot of times you would go out to dinner, come back and do the show like you were doing it in the evenings and we were just having coffee. So yeah. different five. You hung in there. You hung in there in Russia. You added a lot to the show. All right. Uh, this one, we got a bunch of questions about our actual business model for Satellite Sisters from Mimi and Wheezy and others. And they wanted to know, like, what is the business model in terms of, you know, do we make a living doing this? How do we actually sustain the show? And they wanted to know if we had any data points we could share. Gosh, data points, Mimi and Weezy. 
on. Yeah, we got data points. All right, we're going to take this one, the top. Yes. I do love searching around for data points, Mimi and Weezy. So here's the best way we can answer that. As I said, Satellite Sisters is a very demanding part-time job for the three of us. If you look at Satellite Sisters in the overall market for all podcasts, we are in the top 5% of all podcasts by downloads. So that is a super good place to be because that means that we can get sponsors and it's the sponsors who support our show. So that's good. But the that money that comes in from our sponsors not only pays us what we pay ourselves, but Sergio, who we love, Emily, who we love, our webmaster, our ad sales partner takes a big 30% of that. So that's the way it all works out. It's sliced up quite a bit. So our business model is that we are totally ad supported uh, as a podcast. Now, in previous models, for example, I'll just say when we were on the radio, when we were working for ABC, we got a straight up talent fee and a share of the ad revenue. And you know what, Mimi and Wheezy? That's better. <laughs> when they just pay you money to do the show, yeah, all five of us were doing the show. Woohoo, talent fee. So that is not the way the podcast business works. Uh, but we are here supporting the show, supporting the people that work for us. And uh, we do that because you support our advertisers. Yeah, it's been a very good business for us. We've had some great years. So, you know, you know, it's it's a creative process and it's a creative business and it's a and it's a business where it has up and down cycles and you just you have to know that going in and you have to you know just be prepared for it, right? Right. Sure. I, I would also say this: it's why we do say share the sisters. Like literally, yeah. every time you support a sponsor, they're monitoring that. Right. They know it. Like, that's why, you know, they want you to use the URL and the code like that's yay. That's good for us. Uh, but when you share the sisters and increase our listenership, that that's also really good for us. We've looked at all kinds of other models, mm-hmm. uh, subscription and Patreon and platform and this and and they're just not for us. Uh, it's just uh, first of all, it means. Once people start paying you directly, you really owe them stuff <laughs> like extra bonus content. And, and we're we're just happy to get this content out. So uh, that's it. But we've always I think because we came from radio, we've really enjoyed working with our advertisers. We actually yeah. uh, enjoy the relationship that we have. We do feel personally responsible to bring you products that we believe in and we think it's a good way to share that information. So, you know, we've been happy with this. But as Julie said, it's cyclical. As the ad business goes, so goes the show. But um, so that, yeah, that's those are our those are our stats. I can tell you, you know, lifetime every year we have over a million downloads on the show. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that's been the case for quite a while, which is extraordinary. You know, I mean, just to think that the little show that we generate uh, you know, from my laptop and Liz's laptop. Well, now we have Sergio involved, so that's good. <laughs> but, um, you know, that gets over a million downloads a year. It's it's really incredible. It's great. So uh, and and it continues to be, you know, a fun a fun source um, for us creatively. Yes, for sure. It's I'm really happy that we have this to do as often as we do it. It's fun. Like all week, you just naturally think about saving the little tidbits mm-hmm. for, for the show. Which right. Is, which is good. And tidbit, you know, that's why we call them mishaps. Like, oh, this is going to be a good episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's our business model, monetizing the mishaps. There you go. <laughs> All right. And one final question on the production. Um, of course, we got asked, how is John Ramos? John Ramos uh, was our engineer back at the ABC days. He would be a voice on the show. He was so great to work with six days a week. You know, we started at ABC, I think, in 2004, 2003, 2004. And at the time, um, John and his lovely wife, Suzanne, were looking forward to having their daughter, Sarah. And she just graduated from high school. So I can, re- I mean, I can remember we got the baby gift for Sarah. Now she's a high school grad. It's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And she's going to nursing school, which is really nice. So John has carried on. He's over at um, Fox Sports Radio. So and he's he's on all he's engineering and part of all kinds of other shows there. It was unbelievable to us that he went from Satellite Sisters to sports. I can't believe you did that to us, John. Uh, no, but he he he's always loved sports. So uh, I think he's really in his element there. But 
he's a classic radio guy and he has stayed in radio and that's and that's wonderful. And over the years, because he lives in Southern California, we've been invited to various family events with John and Suzanne and their their family. They have three kids now. And it's been uh, it was just wonderful to work with John. It remains great to stay connected to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've been to first communions. We've been to funerals. We've been to just backyard birthday parties. It's really mm-hmm. been a pleasure to see that whole family grow. I mean, Sarah was literally like a newborn yes. in the troll room when we were starting because Suzanne, and we started work at 6 a.m. on Saturdays. So Suzanne and Sarah would come in with John and the whole little family would sit there together in the canal. Oh, right. That's so great. And now John's youngest is in uh, his Little League team. John was uh, one of the coaches, has <laughs> made it to the next round on it, on their way to Williamsport, no doubt. Okay, so we're rooting for <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and I'll just say that's why it's so sweet now that our engineer, Sergio, is also working with his baby daughter <laughs> yeah. in his lap. So it is something that we are, we support bring your daughter to work day every day. All right, Liz, now we're turning to some family questions. You're going to take over from here. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people wanted to know about our dad. Where did he grow up? What did he do? What did we learn from him? So I'll take the first crack at this, and then, Julie, you can dive in. So our father was born in Worcester, Mass. His family had been in Worcester for multiple generations. Then they moved to New Haven. Um, They were kind of in Worcester. They had sort of generations of working in the steel mills there. So the family moved to New Haven during the Depression. His father, who was actually called Big Jim, I believe, uh, our father was Jim Dolan, um, started a family steel business, and they ran that together for many years. And our Uncle Tom also helped run that company. That company ultimately was sold. But so we always thought of our dad as the guy that has this office that he goes to with a lot of big, scary machines. but he was also later in his life an inventor. He had patents on uh, steel, well, galvanizing. Steel, yeah, it was a steel coating system. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he, uh, he had a patent on that. And then in the last part of his life, he really spent most of his time writing and trying to um, become a better writer. So family steel biz, inventor, writer. That was basically uh, the range of work that he did over the course of our childhood. Well, Eddie made obviously a big impression on all of us. But when I think about the big lessons that I learned from dad and, and sisters, you can chime in on that. I mean, he would constantly say to us, stand up straight. OK, that and, you know, that seems like a little thing. Maybe it was about posture, but it was much more about like being pre- being confident you know, being assured of yourself. Um, and he was constant, wasn't he constantly like pushing your shoulders back, telling you to stand up straight, no slouching in our family. Um, another common expression of his was rub it up. I mean, it didn't matter if you had just sledded down the hill and split your head open um, when you went <laughs> into a pine tree. He would just say, rub it up. I mean, he was just not one of these people that got really involved in minor aches and pains, cuts and bruises, was he? And maybe maybe that was a good thing, too, in terms of keeping all of that in uh, in perspective. But I would like to say that I think one of his biggest expressions that really it, it was it shaped how he lived his life. Um, and sometimes we called him Diamond Jim because because he, <laughs> he believed that you only go around once in life. So he was all about the splurge, right? He was all about like, here's a big event. You're, you know, we should go. We're only going to go around once in life. Don't miss this. Or if we're there was something to be done, there's we might as well do it first class. Is that right? Am I? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Until that ran out. But yeah, I was right. say maybe for you guys. I I took a lot of stuff. You missed the Diamond Jim era. It was a good one. <laughs> and Liam, I think, totally missed that era. Okay. Okay. It was fun. Uh, you know, there were a lot of us, there were eight kids. And at some point, at, at points, there were like six teenagers, right, in the house at, at various points. And the only advice we got about college or careers was, I've already been to college, okay? So if you wanted to go to college in our family, you had to get your act together, okay, right? 
Am I right about that? Yes. The unlocation process. Yes. Choosing yeah, yeah. the college or university. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I drove you around, Liz, to show you colleges. I mean, and so my parents just were like, if you want to do that, you're going to have to get it organized because there are too many of you and that's the way it's going to be. Yes. I also feel that he used to say, you know, particularly when all of the, these teenage kids would be lying on the couch watching TV, that this was the time in our life that we should be going flat out. Remember that? He would always say, you should be going flat out. You shouldn't be lying around. You should be working as hard as you can. Give it your all, you know? And and I think that was very inspiring. Did he inspire you that way, Leon? No, I don't recall that at all. I mean, that... <laughs> I mean, I felt like I was going flat out, so maybe that's why I didn't need to say it to me. I didn't do a lot of sitting around on the couch, but, huh, that's interesting. Okay, so that. he was, that That was really big. Um, I just, you know, some of my big memories, I was just thinking about it. it this is this is really sort of dates it, but I can remember going um, uh, to the breakfast table in the morning. Now, keep in mind, the kids ate in the kitchen. But my mother would set the table for my father in the dining room, and he would sit there and eat his breakfast, read the New York Times, and he also smoked, which everyone did. And so I can remember going in at breakfast when he was having his coffee and a cigarette, and he would blow smoke rings for us at the <laughs> breakfast table. And we I have no recollection of that, even you though we're only two years younger. But I might have missed the smoke. Maybe they, I mean, he eventually gave up smoking. Yes. Took up running. Gave up smoking, took up running. Yes. Right, right. But I also remember that we'd go to his office and on Saturdays. He always worked on Saturdays, and he would take several of us to his office, and we would run around, and we would play at other people's desks, and we would write, you know, we'd be at the typewriters and under the desks and playing with the paper clips. So I'm sure the everyone, phones. yes, yes, use the phones. So I'm sure everyone that worked in the office was really happy on Monday that yet the Dolan kids had been back in the office <laughs> messing up their desks over the weekend. Uh -uh. There was also a giant safe in the office. Oh, that yeah. mainly functioned as where they store, there was their storage room. It was stationary and stuff in there. So the door was always open, but he told us that a great ape lived there during yes. the week. And yes. that there was there was an ape there Monday through Friday, but the ape was gone on the weekends when we came because he went to the Bronx Zoo for the weekends. And there were there were many years where we believe that a giant ape lived in the office. Yeah. So he made a big impression. He was very dramatic. Uh, he was very dramatic in his discipline of ours. I remember one time again during those teenage years when there was just too many teenagers lying around on the couch watching TV. He came in with a pair of scissors and he literally cut the cord on the television set in front of us. That was it. Talk about no screen time. That was ahead of, ahead of the curve there. I mean, who does that? He cut the cord on the TV. You can see I'm still not over it. Okay. All right. He was, uh, hands down, a, a fantastic storyteller. The best storyteller in the family. I mean... Family dinners were fun. Events were fun. He he could turn anything into a fantastic story. He just had a natural ability to understand timing and punchlines. He was super funny, but also very, you know, well-read and had a lot of cultural references. He read a lot of books. He loved music. He loved live theater. He loved the opera. You know, he was constantly going in and out of New York. He 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 did pass on, I think, his love of words and music and culture to all of us, too. That was a big part of growing up. We were lucky to grow up about 45 minutes outside of New York City. So we had access to a lot of things. And again, he was all for it. Like if we could take public transportation in New York to see a Broadway show when we were 12, that was fine. You should fine. That. You should totally do that. Yeah. You know, but uh, he really made the effort, I think, to infuse our house with a lot of fantastic, you know, culture, books, music, theater. And he's really sort of demanded. I think maybe that's why the TV thing bugged him so much. Really demanded that we engage, engage on that front. And I think you see that, you know, I think. I think when we first started the show, Satellite Sisters, that idea of sitting around a dinner table and swapping stories, that just comes directly from my father, you know, directly from the way we had dinner when we were growing up. So he was a big man. He was a he was a big personality. Big yes. Person. Yeah. I, 
big personality. Okay. Then there was a question about mom. Uh, uh, somebody wrote, you mentioned that Edna Dolan barred Barbies in your household. Yeah. What did you play with during your girl girlhood? What size and type of car did you get around in with such a large family? Give us some insight into a childhood with eight siblings. So, Julie, why don't you take the first crack at this? Okay. Well, the first thing was we were either always outside. Okay. <laughs> there was no playing or in the cellar of our house. Okay. So it wasn't like we had a big playroom in our house. No, my mother was all about no matter what the weather was, you're outside. So we had elaborate, and we didn't have, we had a couple of neighbors, but it was mainly, you know, the kids playing with the kids. Uh, so we would have very elaborate games of playing house, like building our house out of porch furniture or whatever. School, we played school a lot. You know, who was, the, I think, Liz, you were always the teacher in school. We would be do horseback riding on our bikes and we would make jumps, you know, and do that. We played a lot of war with our brothers. I know that's not politically correct now, but we had vicious battles in our backyard, okay? And then we spent a lot of time putting on shows. Uh, our mother always dressed us alike, so we had matching bathing suits. So during the summer, we had very uh, elaborate shows that we would put on for our parents where there would be some singing, some dancing, some acrobats. Um, but again, always outside or in the cellar away from our mother, right? <laughs> yes. And even though we were just mentioning the television in our teenage years, when we were kids, there was no TV Monday through Friday. The TV, right. the kids, yeah. not, we were never allowed to watch TV, which made you feel culturally totally out of it. Because right. it was sort of, when I was young, it was, that's when laughing was the thing that everybody yeah. talked about. And everybody would come into school and they'd start saying things like, here come to judge. And I would have no idea what they were talking about. I know. Anyway, so there was no TV. Um, but the question of the car came up. Oh, yeah. What kind of car did you have? We had one of those a big Ford Country Squire station wagons. So it was brown, but with that fake wood on the side. Fake, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yes. Very classy. Okay. Yes. And that car, there were no seat belts in that car. There were no child seats in that car. We were just all stuffed in there. In you had the back seat, you had the way back, then you had that in-between little space between the back and the way back that somebody just had to get crammed into. So, so miraculously, with no safety equipment of any kind, there were no losses. Also, what was very fun is that our country squire wagon exactly matched our Aunt Eleanor's country squire wagon. And we've mentioned our Morningstar cousins a lot. We used to go many places together. So nine Morningstars, eight Dolans stuffed into matching country squire wagons. That's how we rolled. Yeah. I was carsick my entire childhood because... Uh, <laughs> As the youngest, they had me facing the wrong way in the way back of the car. And it I threw up almost every time we went in. And that, nobody thought maybe we should let her turn around and face the front. No. Put me in the back. You didn't really want to be in the middle seat, Leanne. I'm telling you, it was vicious between Monica and Sheila. There was a lot of fighting. No touching. No touching. You touched me. You know that. A lot of that kind of fighting going on. Uh, and, you know, not to be that uh, that person here, Lamb, who asked this original question, but we did really write an entire book about this growing up in a big family. It's called Satellite Sisters, Uncommon Senses, uh, and it came out in October of 2001. So uh, not great to release a book after a terrorist attack. But the book itself is really a charming collection of essays uh, about, you know, the lessons we learned growing up in a big family. It is out of print. But you can still find, you know, look around uh, at Amazon.com. I think there is one on sale for $3. If you'd like to buy one right now, you can go to Amazon.com or look around at used bookstores, Satellite Sisters, Uncommon Senses. It's a collection of essays about this very thing. All the wonderful, you know, we loved growing up in a big family. It was fun yeah. for us. Uh, I don't know if it was fun for our parents, but we loved it. And it's all in that book, Satellite Sisters, Uncommon Senses. Okay, moving along, Debbie writes that she's from a big family, but they're all estranged. Now the remaining siblings are all in their 70s. 
How did we stay close? And what tips do we have? Let's start, Julie, uh, with you on this one, because you just staged the whole family reunion. So do you have tips to share? Well, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I'll be able to just say that it is worth it to make an effort. That That's my experience, that whether it's a family union, uh, reunion or a phone call, a text, uh, you know, getting together for a dinner. It doesn't always have to be a big giant act, but I think it's great to try to keep the door open. That's what I would say. And, um, you know, start small. Um, that, you know, that's that's a help and then build up from there. But uh, it is but it is worth it to stay connected to your brothers and sisters, uh, however you can do it. Yeah, I, I'd also say this, you know, we've... People have had good years and bad years. We, for sure, have had years where, you know, people have sort of, individuals have drifted away from the family, but in most cases, ultimately come back. But there have been some ups and downs. It hasn't been smooth sailing since we were kids. And that's, so that's why when Julie says keep the door open, yeah, it's kind of that. I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee you're going to be able to remain friends just because you're your siblings, right? You know, any kind of friendship takes work and effort and love and caring. And sometimes that really works and sometimes it doesn't. So, and we've experienced that too. And I would say this, I think I feel this profoundly as the youngest. So many, when people talk to to me about their family relations, their patterns that were set in childhood, you know, people go back when they are together, they revert to their 12 year old selves, which my, I'm guessing was not the best version of you. So uh, what I have appreciated is that my family has allowed me to grow up. You know, I, as I said, I'm the baby of the family. I'm 10 years younger than Julie. I could have been treated like a 10 year old my entire life, but I'm not. I think that's one of the sort of the extraordinary things about working with satellite sisters is you know, working with your sisters, we've gotten to know each other in a completely different context than the back of that station wagon in 1971. And that's really important. Like that's a good point. Let people grow, become their own people, treat them like adults, assume, like give them credit for changing or or not changing, you know, but I think letting your siblings grow up and letting them be the people they're going to be without a ton of judgment, just respecting who they are, super helpful. Like mm-hmm. these old grudges and these old habits from the past, those are not helpful when you're an adult, you know? Not constructive at all. I'm going to hang on to those 40 years later. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are some legit reasons occasionally to move away from your family. We recognize that. But, um, but short of that, you're right. Grudges just not a good yeah, spending time with the anger and resentment doesn't get you anywhere it's the wrong path yep yep yeah we've often joked that our mo is suppress and deny <laughs> <laughs> yeah laughter does help yes <laughs> all right we'll be back we have a fun round coming up stay with us liz summer is coming up and you know what that means it means you're grilling you're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what, what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you know, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. 
ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sisters and use code sisters to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, you I like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the Framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? Yeah. That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. All right, this has been fun so far. It's always kind of deep, these Ask Us yeah. questions. Maybe we always end up going to places we never thought we'd go. So. Um, it's fun. All right. A couple of remaining questions. This one came from Lisa. Lisa asks, I am creating a new mentoring program at a university. What's the best slash most profound piece of professional advice you've gotten from a mentor? And what made you feel connected to that mentor? Liz, I see your name here on the rundown. So why don't we start with you? Well, I, I put this one in because it's someone that Julie also knows. But when when I was an executive at Nike, the um, there weren't that many very senior female executives, and there was only one female member of the board, and her name was Jill Conway. And she had also been president of Smith College when you were an undergraduate, right, Julie? That's correct. Yes. And so, you know, Jill, like, took extra um, time with me always to just sort of provide me a level of coaching as like one of the lone females in the room that um, that you need, you need someone to tell you some of this stuff. But I do remember what, this may not be the best professional advice I ever got, but it was super important. She came into my office and she said, no matter what happens, don't let them, don't yell at them. And she was talking about women yelling at men. She said, Men get very afraid when women yell at them, and it makes them feel like their mother is chastising them. So no matter what happens, I know you're good at this, just try to keep it together. And I just thought that was like super simple advice. It was recognizing that sometimes you're in a situation and, well, they get to yell at each other. Why can't I? Anyway, so that's just a small thing, maybe not profound, but the fact that she cared about my professional development in the way that she did, that was profound. Yeah, yeah, that's really amazing. Um, Lisa, I, my answer is, I don't know if it's going to help your program at your university because mine's kind of the anti-mentor. Uh, when we first started in public radio, uh, one of our assistant producers, who, who will remain nameless for the purposes of this podcast, um, he, he, you know, he had the ability to talk into our ear when we were doing the show 
And he would say to me uh, during the show, he'd be like, Julie, just don't say anything. Julie, don't talk. That was his directorial advice to uh, to me personally during the show. Um, well, that uh, I think that encouraged me to find my own voice. Okay, to be confident in my own voice, and you know, and I think about all the different things that we have done on the show and how we've done it. I always remember that moment. Okay, uh, I remember that advice he was trying to give me. And I rejected that advice. And I feel that by rejecting that advice, it has served me well. And it's enabled me to find my own voice on the radio and podcast. Um, so I feel connected to him. I thank him for him. But I, that is what I would call the anti-mentor model, Lisa. It could be a whole new level of research for you. Uh. Julie, that's a good one. Yeah, well, she did say either, you know, best or most profound. That was the most profound yep. one that one you were given. I can remember when I first started out in production. So I was in my early 20s and um, I, I was, uh, we, I would do these shows all over the world with dancers and models and actresses for a shoe brand. And, and um, we worked with a choreographer from Los Angeles. So we didn't have a formal mentoring role. Um, but I would work with him a couple times a year. It was an intense experience. But he was just a pleasure to work with, right? He was professional. He was great at his job. He was there on time. He executed at a really high level. He had a lovely manner with everyone. I was very young, but he treated me as if, you know, and I, I was technically in charge, but I was, you know, very inexperienced compared to who he was used to work with. And he treated me uh, with great respect. And I remember taking away the lesson from working with Bob Talmadge was just be a pleasure to work with. Like, it was just, you know, really something that I felt like I internalized, like be easy to work with, but be a pleasure to work with is is something a little bit different. Like really bring your be best self to work every day. And, and I feel Leah, like I, you yeah. are a pleasure. To work. <laughs> you are. Yes, Leah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to be. So that that's what I would say. He didn't know he was my mentor, uh, uh, but um, I was grateful for I was grateful for what he taught me. OK, Debbie from Canada. Hello, Canada. Uh, Debbie wants to know, where are you hoping to travel in the future? And then a secondary question, if you have an answer to it, is what restaurants or food carts are you hoping to try? So, uh Let's just go with where you're traveling with. And if you have restaurants and food carts, great. Julie, you're off. Okay. Where are you uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I've always got my bag packed and I'm very excited. I am going to be taking a hiking trip to Bhutan. Okay. Wow. Oh, I know. Wow. In the fall, I'm taking a hiking trip to Bhutan. I'm going to go to uh, Bangkok first because that's how you get to Bhutan. So I'm very happy to visit my former hometown. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to eating a lot of delicious Thai food. Uh, and in Bhutan, I I hear they have some good like dried yak sticks and various things. Now, I, I, I expect that it will be an interesting culinary trip as well. Liz, how about yeah. you? Okay. Well, okay. As you're listening to this, uh, Satellite Sisterhood, I am in Budapest uh, because the, you know, I've been working in the track and field business the last few years. The World Championships are going on in Budapest the last two weeks in August. I've never been, you know, there have been many, many places, but I've never been there. So that's where I'll be. And I'm real. actually, last night I was even Googling best thermal baths in Budapest. Oh, yeah. Oh, you've been one of those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're, you know, so that the, the, there are a lot of choices. So. And you got to drink the water too. I don't know about that, but um, but but the but the bathing in the water is really great. Okay, yes, I could use a little. You know, I I'm always up for the healing in the thermal baths. So Budapest is my next uh, destination, Debbie. Okay, well I tried. How about you? In Bhutan, Budapest, I tried to find like a kicky town with a bee that I wanted to go to. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I want to go to, to the west of Ireland. I've never been to Ireland at all, but I'd particularly love to go to the west of Ireland. There is a town where I, I feel like they are stalking me on Instagram or I've just maybe I'm following it. 
It's the town of Doolin in County Clare. Okay, I want really? to go to the town. Yeah. It's right there at the Cliffs of Moher. It looks beautiful. Uh, every you know, every time I watch a, an Irish travel documentary, it's always featured. So I'd like to start at the Cl- Cliffs of Doolin, yeah, in Doolin at the Cliffs of Moher, and then go from there. A lot of music there, a lot of pubs there. It's a super cute town. Um, but here's the meal I want to eat while I'm near there. Uh, there's a, a place called Dungair Castle, and it's on the shores of Galway Bay. And you can have a delicious four-course medieval dinner there. Come on. Ooh. I'd like to do that. With the- well, what do you think that is? That's mutton? What do you have there? No, no. I, I would say I think the medieval part is the surroundings uh, because the food looks good. You do get some mead, Jill. You're going to get some mead with that. Um, you have your Irish oak smoked salmon. Leek and potatoes. Oh, okay. All right. Now you're talking some potatoes. Okay. That's yeah. And cream, creamy chicken with cream. cream. Just a lot of cream is good too. Uh huh. Apple pie with cream. And so it's not medieval times because it kind of sounds like that's where you go. But well, I think it's a touch of medieval times. It's just wine stories. They're going to do some performance pieces. You're in a castle, uh, but you're eating. Oh, so it is medieval times with the jab. It sounds. Yes, but with better food. There's no jousting, Jill. There's no jousting. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. I like to go to the west of Ireland and explore it all, but start at the city of Doolin. If you're listening, Irish tourism, let me know. Call me. Call me. Um, okay, Karen wants to know. Uh, she wants to know what is it like to be public figures, and how often are you recognized by your followers, other than at a scheduled event. I feel like if I saw you on the sidewalk, I'd be running up to you like we are old friends. So who wants to take this one? Well, first of all, we don't really know what it's like to be public figures, uh, Karen. <laughs> we dream of being public figures. In our mind, we are public figures. In our mind, we're very famous. You know, we have the famous Dolan sisters, the podcasters. Uh, so that would be great. Uh, we have talked on the show about satellite sister sisters in the wild, uh, uh, and I can't think of it anything better than meeting a listener uh, because we just really, really appreciate the fact that you sp- take the time to spend time with us, and we do feel like your friends, that you are our friends as well. So um, if we're ever recognized, uh, I, I would be delighted. How about you, sisters? Yeah. Well, I'm with Julie. Like, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's a complete delight. And yes, we are old friends. But, well, I I get, I get like to say, uh, because I do the writing uh, as well, I do a lot of extra speaking around that, that I'm very famous in four zip codes. It's basically <laughs> the 91103 to the 91107 here in Pasadena. Like I'm, I am recognized in the grocery store in Pasadena, mainly from the books I've written and the speaking I've done, less from Satellite Sisters. So I'm very rarely recognized from Satellite Sisters. And it's fun. It does make you wish, like, every time I'm recognized as Leon Dolan writer, I look the worst I could possibly look. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I, I'm still wearing my pajamas. But sure, I'll go to the grocery store. And that's when I see, you know, someone runs into me and say, hey, uh, are you Leon Dolan? And I'll say, oh, yes, with that lipstick. And, you know, I make a lot of excuses. So I have a lot of sympathy for those celebrities that always get their pictures taken coming out of that one one Starbucks in West Los Angeles. But and it is fun when people when people show up yes. at, at events or people see us. I saw a Satellite Sister at the Nantucket Book Festival. We took our picture together. Uh, it just was absolutely wonderful. It's wonderful to run into people. Yeah, I think you don't realize, like, we feel like we know you, too. So uh, thanks to social media. It's it's a it's a mutual thing. It's a mutual thing. Well, we want to remind people you will be recognized 100 percent at the big fun weekend in Minneapolis. Like that's where we expect to run into a lot of you and we expect uh, that you'll recognize us and we'll recognize you. There are still tickets available. So if you haven't bought your tickets yet for the big fun weekend in Minneapolis in October the 13th through the 15th, head on over to SatelliteSisters.com. It's going to be a weekend of connecting. You can ask us anything and they're going to, there's going to be trivia. There's going to be a live podcast. We're going to have a dance party. There's going to be a costume contest, all kinds of wonderful, fun things in Minneapolis and lots of time just to hang with us. And we'll have right. time to hang with you and you can ask us anything. So yeah, to satellitesisters.com and look for that. 
Yeah, as we said from the beginning, when we announced the big fun weekend, we want to see your faces. <laughs> so we look forward to seeing everyone there and uh, and catching up with you. Um, anything else, sisters? Anything else you wanna you wanna answer? As long as there's this, this anything one? else you just want to get off your chest? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I think I'm good. I think I'm no, good. that was a lot. All right. Well, we will be back next week live with our, well, not really live, but sort of live to tape with our season opener. We'll, we'll, we'll be back is what I'm saying. Uh, it'll be season 147 of Satellite Sisters. <laughs> and we're very excited for it. Uh, we always come back renewed in the fall, just like get back to school season. It's back to Satellite Sisters for us. And we'll have a full lineup of fresh shows all fall. We'd like to thank you as always for listening, for sharing the show for sending in these questions, for being a part of our Satellite Sisters community, which has been so important to us for decades now. A big thanks to our sponsors today. Thanks to Emily Borgine and to Sergio Enriquez for working on our show. Uh, thanks to our team at True Native Media for putting together our advertising. Let's thank Diane Gray, our accountant slash Yes, a big thanks to you, Diane. Yes, let's thank her. Let's thank her today. She's a key uh, piece of our production team. She keeps... She keeps things going, and we appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, let's find out. She's part of our business model. Yeah, sure. Yes. And let's thank Corny Cole, our original executive producer, who still listens every week and sends in notes. She does. <laughs> she does. It's great. Hey, we love you, Corny. You're the best. And we. And she still has a lot of good advice for us. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Hey, sisters, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. Hey.